Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, good morning. It is January 26th, a Tuesday. We're back here on the Ohio One Podcast. I'm here with Craig and Brandon. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Fantastic. Uh, Brandon's here too, which is awesome. Hey, um, just a couple promos to get us started for the day. Um, we have an interview podcast or some extra content each day. Um, the Steelers podcast was today. Talked with Paul Janchek about the Steelers busy offseason. They made a ton of moves last week. We kind of valued them. And Paul got all worked up about Wonder Woman 1984. So he talked about uh, that, and he gave a little uh, review of HBO Max. And it was interesting. And uh, kind of tried out my superhero theory about we got to stop saying yes to every superhero movie. And so we talked about that a little bit as well. So, yeah, a little bit of everything in the Steelers podcast. Check it out when you get a chance. Again, Check out Chase Bank, um, set up an account, use a link, um, and then you get paid once you attach a direct deposit to it. And check out our sponsors on the page. Uh, it'll be good. And, again, um, subscribe to us on social media. Uh, support us via pa- Patreon. And share. Share, share, like. If you love a show, if you're not so sure, share it. Um, we love to get, see all the people who are coming to the show, and we really appreciate it. Uh, guys, I want to get started today. I, I thought there was an interesting story in the Beacon Journal over the weekend talking about COVID-19 and how the messaging is out. Um, I, I got to tell you, where I live in Columbus, I'm the minority, which is great because I it gives me a different perspective on life and a perspective I hadn't had before. And I don't know, Brandon, I'll start with you. I, I like the uh, messaging of the article. The article is talking about how there were some people concerned about the cultural messaging that's being sent with COVID, and maybe that was a, a reason for some of the confusion and maybe even some of the, um, you know, the spiking cases. Um, did you do you agree with that, or, or do you think it maybe it was going a little bit too far in what they're suggesting? Um, it could have gone... A little too far, but who knows? I mean, like I, I mean, they're studying this this kind of information, and they're just kind of looking at um, you know, the content analysis and seeing um, you know, are they using certain types of words or, um, you know, it's making assumptions about 
who the audience is. Um, you know, sometimes um, certain uh, um, groups out there probably get um, probably don't get even thought of or factored in when we're crafting the message. Um, so it, it, it's this is bound to happen. You know, um, it's kind of why it's good to have make sure we have a good diverse body uh, in in the decision-making process and in the development of this so that there's a lot of viewpoints making sure that um, um, the campaigns are effective and reaching out to everyone. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, Craig, one of the things that bothered me from the beginning was at the start, like even with like the wines press conferences, there wasn't a translation available for a while. And when there was a translation, it was just like, okay, we're going to translate the English wording, and there you go. And, you know, I think they were translating to Spanish and a couple other languages. But, you know, that doesn't always do it. I mean, a straight translation doesn't always work. Again, not making excuses for people, but, again, if we're not communicating the appropriate things, it seems to be, you know, there's a, a communication gap here, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, uh, especially in the African-American population, you know, what it says 35% of black people were hesitant to receive the vaccine. 71% of black respondents in the uh, Kaiser study uh, cited the worries about the side effects. 48% reported not trusting vaccines, which, you know, there's a history there of why they don't trust vaccines um, dating back to the 30s and 1930s. Um, you know, a lot of people are concerned that they would be infected with COVID if they if they got the uh, you know the vaccine. So, you know, I think locally they've done a solid job of trying to express the reasons to get the vaccine and and show people um, you know why they should get it. You know, we actually had someone here in uh, Port Clinton, uh, a former Tuskegee Airman, ninety six year old Harold Brown got the vaccine and primarily he got the vaccine because he wanted to show, um, you know, other black people that it was okay to get it, that it's safe to get it, that it's a good idea to get it. So, you know, sometimes the message is, it has gotten lost in translation. And I know, you know, the governor's fielded a lot of questions about, you know, when they're going to start advertising and, you know, really putting pen to paper on, on this stuff about getting the vaccine, how safe it is. And I've seen a few ads, and hopefully they'll they'll do more. But I think also they need to do a lot more in minority communities to ensure that uh, the people who have questions or maybe some you know some concerns about it maybe get those answered. Well, and there's been a lot of um, you know reading this article. There's been a lot of bias you know through the years in some the way. Um, you know, other things have been related to the anybody of color, which is tough too. And, you know, I got to tell you, too, and, Brandon, we've talked about this a billion times now, probably, but, you know, with the conspiracy theories, you know, just in talking about, like, the the vaccine, is it healthy, is it safe and everything? And I know it's a cottage industry for some people just to spread around a bunch of stuff about the vaccine because it may not be politically expedient for them. But if you're just spreading out misinformation to spread around misinformation, you're dealing with a community that's been kind of um, – for lack of a better term, screwed in the past by health. So, you know, one of the big things they were talking about was these conspiracies, which is wrong for, you know, white people or any other type of people, but in a community that's been wronged in the past, it makes it even worse. That That's troubling to me as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like it's really scary when you try to create that kind of distrust between um, a community, what one particular community, and um, and healthcare and health professionals and um, or the health system in general. Um, and there's there's been unethical studies and experiments done. Uh, folks, I can tell people to go Google Tuskegee Tuskegee syphilis study. It's really yeah. an unethical study that. Um, you know, targeted black men. So, um, there's, there's, this is, so it's really important to overcome that, those kind of, um, stigma or barriers that might've come out from those kind of unethical practices. So, um, yeah, I think, and then it, it still didn't help last year. I think there was like a local a state Ohio lawmaker who made a stereotypical remark about black people and washing hands that those kinds of things don't help. Um, yeah, it's um, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, and, and Craig, to close up, I, I I think in you know we could take lessons of, about this as journalists as well. I mean, this isn't even just about how you're regarding health, but you know we've got to. I think as a society, we got to make a better care of really understanding different cultures, and you know, it's America, and it's America today, it's America. Uh, because unless you're American Indian, you all you know, immigrated from somewhere. I, I like this quote from one of the um, state house people uh, from Ohio, Amelia Sykes, in the story. It says, if you're not speaking the same language, you can't help your patients. And I think that's true in healthcare, and I think that's also true in a lot of other areas of life. Um, any other thoughts on this? No, I just think it's it's about education. It's about letting people, I mean, you know, we've had numerous people that have declined the vaccine, white, black, Hispanic, whatever. So I think people need to just seek the facts, you know, seek out information. And I also think that it starts at the top where this, this message needs to be filtered down the correct way to give everybody the information they need to make a, a smart decision. And hopefully, um, you know, I'm, I'm in support of the vaccine. I think uh, we've seen no negative side effects, at least not any anything major. And, you know, we haven't seen any any issues to indicate that this vaccine doesn't work. So, you know, hopefully they, they start from the top down and it gets filtered locally. And, the, and you know, we've got local um, leaders here in our area that are trying to filter out the message to minority groups to, to make sure that they're well aware that this is not a Tuskegee issue. This is not you know, what's the old government up to kind of thing, that this is a safe and reliable vaccine. Well, and I got to say, again, we all have concerns about a vaccine. I mean, you know, I'm not saying everyone should just take the vaccine and not take anything else of it. <laughs> there's concerns. There's concerns we all have and there's concerns we all need to think about. Um, but as a news person or a blog or a morning podcast of journalists or whatever the case might be, I think our job is, you know, get the facts out there. You know, speak the truth, say what's happening, and then people can make choices on their own. And, you know, I, I, that's an important thing. And I think it's it's true for everybody, but especially, you know, any communities of people of color because uh, it's a good article. We're going to link to it in the um, uh, the um, information that goes along with the podcast. You know, we have to be culturally sensitive to other people. And, and you need to do that every day of your life, 24 hours a day, but especially when it comes to something as serious as a coronavirus and healthcare and everything else. Um, speaking of scary stuff, um, over the weekend, uh, there was a report from Upper Arlington. Uh, there was a health uh, official, uh, not the health director, but one of the health officials of the Ohio Department of Health, 
somebody shot a shot into their home. Now, there was a additional information um, released by the dispatch yesterday. Um, no indication that's directly related to the coronavirus, but it, it's scary. And it happens. I remember even as a kid, uh, there was a shot fired at my dad's house. Now, again, we're not sure what it was. My dad took a couple of popular opinions about alcohol in the city, so maybe it was something to do with that or anything. But anytime someone's shooting at your house, it's kind of scary. And who knows? It might be random. It may have not been directly involved with coronavirus, but it seemed a little bit kind of suspicious. And it's a little bit nervous. Um, you know, they're continuing to investigate the informa uh, information, but I think it tells you that there is a lot of threats being made against health officials. I think back to Amy Acton, um, you know, she received threats. There were armed protesters showing up outside her house in Bexley, uh, which is a suburb here in Columbus. Um, she faced anti-Semitic comments and everything else. So, it again, in politics, yeah, you could disagree with something. That's a right to disagree. But whenever there becomes threats and other stuff, it gets scary. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about this? Do uh, you think it's just a coincidence or do you think there might be something here? At this point, it's hard to say. Partly because you noticed you said health official. You didn't give me a name. Um, Amy Acton was plastered all over the, the, the media airwaves. I mean, she was a face. I don't know if, you know, that would... You know, I don't know if people really pay that much attention to, like, go after any other one else in the health official. I mean, not saying it's not possible, but I I just think um take that much time to come across that. Uh, I don't know. Based on what I'm hearing, you know, it's it just seems like this could be a coincidence. Well, I will say I, I did share a story with you guys um, yesterday morning. It was based on reporting that was done over the weekend. The follow-up article um, that came out later yesterday, they actually identified the house as Mary Kathleen Francis, who serves as the assistant medical director for the Ohio Department of Health. So I, I, I don't know. And, and I agree with Brandon. I mean, the name... I would say, would you agree? I, I guess you'd have to investigate the name. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm somebody wanting to do harm or or upset at a situation, you'd have to look up a lot of information. Um, so, I'm. It's possible. I don't know. I, I guess. I, I think we would be. We wouldn't be fair to say, "Oh my goodness, it, it has to do directly with COVID." This is the thing. I, I guess what I'm saying is just with all of the crazy threats out there and the rhetoric, you just can't help but scratch your head. I mean, again, there's an investigation going on. We'll update this when the investigation comes through and they say, what's it related to? You just scratch your head and you say, well, it's a scary world out there. It is interesting. It's up in, our, up in our, um, excuse me, Upper Arlington, which is a Columbus suburb. Mm -hmm. um, usually one of the nicest ones and safe, pretty safe, I think. Um so that's notable, too, I would imagine. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, even my neighborhood, I mean, we don't get drive-bys every night, but there's, you know, I've seen reports in my neighborhood of, you know, shots being fired at house from time to time. Um, and it, it's not a lot, but honestly, you don't hear that often in Upper Arlington. And that's not to say crime can't happen in Upper Arlington, but that's not a typical place where there's drive-bys and everything. Um I, I wondered, Craig, it was interesting because the Amy Acton thing was kind of scary because, I mean, you know, the media went out there. Um, it came pretty apparent where she lived and everything. Uh, 
I mean, do you think some of these guys need more protection at their homes? Like if you're some type of state official? Well, I mean, it certainly seems that way. And it's sad to say that because, you know, when's the last time we've ever thought, uh, you know, a health director or a health official would, would be in harm's way. But in, in this world we're living in today, I mean, it seems very coincidental that this woman's home was, was fired at. I mean, I'm not really familiar with the 1700 block of Berkshire Road, but I find it hard to believe there's a lot of uh, gang and drug activity going on there that would maybe result in some violent crime. But yeah, I mean, it's got to be very scary for, for these people. I mean, we already had one uh, one woman say she did not want the, the top job to replace Amy Acton because she was afraid of harassment. And she probably did the right thing by rejecting that job because at this point, even though we may be in the fourth quarter of this pandemic, it seems like everybody is still on edge and, you know, business owners aren't really happy and, you know, the public's not very happy. So it seems like, you know, I don't know how you increase security for, for people like this doctor who was, you know, their, their home was fired at or, you know, anybody that maybe receives threats. I don't know if it's just, making sure the police are aware that you're in the area or whatever. But I, I mean, I don't know if there's an answer to it because we're not going to be able to just give them a security guard or, you know, have police station at their house. That, that's probably not going to happen. So my guess is, I mean, I, it's hard to say that this was, uh, you know, just a, a, an accident because, you know, it, you're talking about the assistant med medical director. It, it could be someone as simple as they know this person, they know where they live, and they just got fed up. And they wanted to send a message, so to speak, I guess. I mean, it, it just seems too coincidental to say that this was sort of a accident or a stray bullet. We're hoping that that's what the case is, but I just doesn't look like it. Well, you can't put all these state officials in private areas or whatever the case would be, but I always think about it. Brandon, I was thinking, like, even Mike DeWine, he lives in Cedarville. Is his address public record? Um, it could be. I mean, like, depending on, um, you know, if it's um, – usually, the I will say, I mean, the auditor's auditor offices around Ohio, I mean, it's really easy to find, um, um, you know – uh, the owners and names of right. whoever of the properties in, in Ohio. In fact, I've even looked up going down to Florida and looked up properties owned by Donald J. Trump. So, I mean, yeah. not, not, not everywhere, not every state, every state does it differently. Every county does it differently. Um, but there are workarounds about that. You could, you know, for instance, if Dwayne could technically create a an LLC probably and have that be the, owner of his home, you know, so make it a little more obscure to not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just thinking there are workarounds probably to make it so that the property does not appear to be um, owned by you. But um, that takes a little more time, and a little more paperwork. But um, well, I know, see that's why I say yes. No. Well, the day that DeWine, like they had a false report of him having coronavirus. I mean, there was news trucks in front of his house. I've seen reports of like other protests happening in front of his house. And I kind of wonder, again, maybe I'm the old guy or maybe I'm a guy that doesn't understand how life really works. But I'm like, you know, to me, that seems like a step too far. It's like, you know, you know, stop trailing these people at their houses. You know what I mean? Um, it's it just kind of weird. And I, I know people are upset enough, you know, they'll do whatever, but it, it, it's just a, to me, it's a new low of where we're at as a society. 
you know, hey, we have the right to protest. And one of the things I respect about the wine is he acknowledges that, where some of our other national leaders don't acknowledge their protest and the rights that, you know, we have. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's got to be a line somewhere where you say, all right, we're going to protest him when he's at work from nine to five, but let's leave him alone, you know, at, at night or whatever. Yeah. But I'm um, Chris, you know, like, I kind of agree with you, but in the sense that protests shouldn't go all the way to the person's home. In a sense, we've seen stories about, you know, Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi's house getting vandalized too. And, um, um, and then Amy Acton, you know, she had protesters apparently who came with guns at some point. I don't know, but you know, I also think on the flip side, I mean, would it be appropriate? We've had like where people have come to people's houses to kind of show signs of support, whether it was, I know it's, little tamer like Jim Trestle leaving Ohio State football program. I think people came out to show right. supports and he even came out and talked to them and said, you know, you know, yeah, we're gonna beat Michigan, don't worry. Um I, I think I remember right. that back in that time. So I don't know if what if it's like personally I'm more of the, you know, protests at someone's place of work if it's in government, but you know, let's stay away from the home. Just, you know, don't right. especially don't bring firearms. That's just even well, if you're just doing that to wave around like an idiot. Well, I kind of think, too, I would hope people, you know, Amy Acton, like DeWine, you know, this official where there's kind of a questionable thing that happens. You have the right to call the police. I mean, my, my wife kind of teased me a little bit, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had somebody knock at my door at 5 a.m. I was a little bit creeped out going, okay, who the heck's knocking my door at 5 a.m.? I called the police. My wife's like, are you sure you really want to do that? I'm like, well, I'm not opening the door. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of weird. And I, I think in that light, if you have the right to do that when someone's knocking at your door at a weird hour of the night, you should have that right if somebody's protesting in front of your house. And I kind of wonder, too, I mean, Hey, the dispatch, you know, published the block that they lived in. It's public record. Sorry. You know, it's on police report. I'm not questioning the dispatch at all for doing that. I kind of wonder, though, for these people, what do you do now? Like Amy Acton, she had a house in Bexley. I mean, you know, they had the right to have a house. I wonder if she still lives there in, in that same house. Because you, you think about it, I mean, yeah, she might be a former official now, but not everyone knows where you live, which is kind of weird, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and we think about our life even as journalists. I mean, obviously, we're not as notable as state officials or everything, but our information isn't supposed to be out there. You know, you're not supposed to get, you know, that person's personal you know, address or personal cell phone. And I'll be honest, that's why it's kind of hard. I, I know there's ways now where you can mask your cell phone. So even if you have to use your cell phone, you can put your office number there, too. But that's hard if you ever left the company. I mean, it's tough. You know, you shouldn't you got to be careful what information gets out there. I remember uh, I worked for the Massillon Independent. This was years and years and years ago. I left the Independent about six years after that. I got a random phone call from someone I wrote a critical story about. And it kind of freaked me out because, again, it was six years after I worked there, and they're asking me all these questions. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to comprehend what they're even calling about. But they have my personal cell phone number and everything. Now, thankfully, it wasn't threatening or anything. But, again, you kind of freak out a little bit thinking, okay, what, what are you talking about, story? I mean, I was even in journalism at the time. So it, it's weird. It's hard to know what to do. Um, when to close with this today, we're having a little bit shortened show, have, had a couple obligations, we'll make it up for you tomorrow. Um, Rob Portman broke some news. Um, he is not running again for office. 
his term ends in 2022. Um, if you don't know, he's a U.S. senator from Ohio. Um, you know, the other senator is uh, Cher Brown. Uh, Cher Brown's a Democrat. Rob Portman's a Republican. Um, you know, he says it's gridlock, and it's hard to, you know, navigate this partisan gridlock. I think there's a lot of other things to play too that we'll talk about. <laughs> um, what we'll, Brandon, we'll start with you. What, what's your reaction to Rob Portman saying he's not going to be around after his term? I'm more. I'm. I'm thinking multiple reasons, and gridlock right. ain't one of them. Because right. I think if anything, a politician that's in office and oh gee, I can't vote. I can't get anything done. Oh rats. Oh darn. You know, I'm gonna be. I mean. For the amount of time that they go to DC, the amount of time. Not saying they're not they're not doing work. I mean, I'm sure they're working and talking with each other. But I mean, amount of time that Congress is in recess, the amount of pay you get for that. I mean, I mean, and the fact that as long as you keep getting reelected, that's um, that's really your one main job is just get keep getting reelected. I mean, it's not really a bad gig in that sense. Maybe it's making it sound like nicer than it really is, but. Um, Gridlock's probably not one of them. It's if anything, it's a great. Oh, I wish I could navigate through the gridlock and get my legislation, but oh well, you know. I mean, really, this speaks about a couple things. Really, this comes down to elections here. Does Rob Portman not believe that he can win a primary in 2022? Does he? It's he, or does this signify his where he's going to probably vote on impeachment? Um, that's really those are the two two uh, things I'm taking away from from this maybe in you know maybe he's being honest and really is frustrated gridlock but i'm not i'm not sold on it but um well you you said the magic word that i think really is the thing behind portman's decision is the and let me follow up with you on this brandon okay the impeachment word he's in a rock in a hard place i mean the impeachment trial i believe is the i think a week and a half i believe a little under two weeks away um, they're going to try to make it a little bit quicker because obviously there's a lot of other stuff going on in the country too. Uh, but you know, the impeachment thing is important. We need to address that as well. Um, I, you know, Brandon, I don't think Portman could win if he votes yes or votes no. I mean, he's kind of screwed either way. So maybe however he decides to vote, he's okay because he's not running again. I, I mean, I kind of look at that as a big reason why he's not running. I'm that definitely, um, I, I would say that it's, um, that's probably one of the key reasons I bet. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe not, because he might very well vote no. Even anyway, it's it's hard to tell sometimes with with right. their way of thinking. I think it's um, it, it will come down to maybe he'll be more open minded at the trial, but still might vote not to acquit. It's real. I see. It's really seems hard to kind of even reach that seventeen vote threshold. But maybe just because of that, you know, um, you you want to you'll vote more thinking like, how do I want people to look back on my vote is, is kind of like the question they might be thinking. Craig, the Cincinnati Inquirer did a great job yesterday. They really jumped on the, Hey, who's going to run for Senate? Because that's a big question. And again, you know, it's an open Senate seat. So you can ask who's democratic challengers and who's Republican challengers. I want to ask you this because one of the guys you cover controversial, um, you know, House member Jim Jordan is one of the people mentioned as a possibility. Do you see that happening? You know, I don't know. I mean, everybody keeps throwing Jim Jordan's name out here for, you know, they threw it out there for governor when the governor's seat 
was in question when Trump said, you know, someone should run against DeWine. You know, uh, unless this Senate job pays that much more than his House seat, I don't see any reason for Jim Jordan to leave where he's at. I mean, he is in a very Republican-centric gerrymandered district that he he really has little to no chance of losing unless the right candidate just comes along or, you know, scandal continues to break out. But Jim Jordan is very comfortable in his chair right now as a congressman in this district. I just don't see the reason for him to, I don't know, is this considered a lateral move? If he were to, to go after a Senate seat, would it be better for him to take on a Senate seat? I don't know. But, you know, even it, it was sort of like a, a strange mashup of, of other people. You had the party, the Ohio Republican Party chair, Jane Timken, was listed as a potential uh, candidate. Uh, Josh Mandel, the former state treasurer, was also thrown out there. And the, the weird name was J.D. Vance, who is the author of Hillbilly Elegy, yeah. was also thrown out there, which I they thought... They keep throwing him out all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Which I thought made him or... But yeah. It, yeah, I, I don't know. And Josh Mandel's a relatively young guy. He's 43, but Josh had some issues as treasurer. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you want to talk about something you could bring up during politics, you know, during election season. I mean, Josh has got some skeletons in the closet. And I'm sure if Josh was here, he would defend himself and say, oh, that wasn't me or you know, I was set up or whatever, whatever his excuse would be. But there's some skeletons in the closet that, you know, you're going to have to overcome if he runs. I, I don't, Brandon, who would you project? And again, we're just picking. Who knows? Um, who would you project to be the final two uh, who would be alive for the seat? Like if you had to pick a Republican against Democrat after the primaries and everything else. It's easier to pick a pick a pick a Republican than it is a Democrat, um, or maybe depending on like um, if you're looking at strong candidates. I think based on how I'm reading it, I, I think um, Democrats you might be able to pick a couple, maybe maybe easier to pick though because it just seems like they don't have enough enough. Um, like it's like the Republicans have a surplus of candidates. Democrats don't seem to like have like as many as you could. You could probably name them all on your hand probably. I mean, Danny O'Connor on Democrat side has been floated floated around, but um, Tim Tim Ryan maybe. It yeah. just seems like it. They, they it seems it seems like Democrats have like you know in Ohio Democrats seem to have like a we don't have like really any stars. We have no really anyone that has that kind of pull um, for for captivating the state. Um, that seems to be the issue with the Republicans. They seem to have seem to have enough candidates that are charismatic with the, that resonate with voters. Um, Jim Jordan, the Jim Jordan thing real quick though, I wanted to point out was um, yeah. what makes the set pursuing a Senate seat more attractive than a governor's seat is for a couple reasons. Um, if the reports are true that he has as presidential aspirations, nothing wrong with that. Um, it makes more sense to go for a Senate seat because over the years, you know, once upon a time, governors were very popular for, as presidential contenders. But lately, it's become more likely Senate candidates because of Senate, they're, they're able to transition their senatorial campaign funds, roll it over into a presidential one. You can't do that easily or practically can't with a, a governor, a campaign fund for running for governor, then rolling it over into a presidential contender. That's what kind of screwed up some of the Democrat governors that were running in the last primary 
because they couldn't tap that money. They had were they were uh, they were overwhelmed facing senator candidates. <laughs> that's why the senator candidates did better. Um, so that's why I would think a Senate seat would, and from that perspective, be more attractive to Jim Jordan. But again, I. I mean, does it make sense to go from a House seat to a Senate seat? I mean, is there a, a better power play from, from that perspective, or is it a lateral move, and why why should he even think about it? Well, I mean, well, I, mean it's got I think you're right, though, that would he want to leave a safe seat? That's that's the biggest question, I think. So I'm just well, pointing well, why, why is Tennessee's more attractive than a governor's seat? Right, and really on a resume, you know, Senate <clears throat> is more – like attractive like if i'm saying i'm a u.s senator that carries a little bit more weight weight and if i said hey i'm a u.s house of representative member you know because there's like a hundred you know senators and there's like what 400 and some odd you know reps so there's less 453 there you go yeah or 35 435 so so there's less senators which kind of carries a little bit more weight saying hey you know your vote matters more. It's one out of 107, one out of 435. Um, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think with the um, Ohio people, I keep hearing Sykes, you know, Amelia Sykes from the Akron area. We quoted a little bit earlier in the show, Tim Ryan, um, Nan Whaley. I mean, Nan says she's not running for mayor of Dayton, so, you know, she's running for something. I mean, it's, it's not like she was retiring from politics at all. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, and, you know, obviously there's going to be a, a couple important races because you're going to have that race for Senate. And obviously you're going to have the race for governor. And obviously Democrats are going to want to run somebody against the wine. So, yeah, I'm, it'll be interesting to see who emerges. I mean, it doesn't have to be just those three people. I mean, we're in January of 2021. There's a lot of time between now and, you know, maybe somebody's going to merge. I mean, obviously the COVID and how we react to COVID, maybe some will step up and have some plans for COVID and use that as a propelling for their role. It'll be interesting. I, I think the big thing that we need to track is right now the threat, I guess, for lack of a better term, that Trump is throwing out is saying, look, I might start my own party, uh, either call it the MAGA party or the Patriot party or whatever. And you might say, well, Trump's irrelevant. Well, some people say is maybe he's not because if he starts a party like that, in essence, that chips away at the Republican Party. In essence, if you're a Democrat, you're high fiving because you're like, all right, if we can, you know, split that Republican Party in two, we're winning everything. And I think you know Trump may be not serious about starting that party, but he might be looking at it as a way of saying, hey, this will still give me a power play and influence in the Republican Party. They won't impeach me, and my voice will still be heard because I. I'm having a hard time believing that Trump himself is going to run in four years, assuming he's not impeached. But it'll be interesting to see are Trump's people running. Like, I've even heard, like, Ivanka Trump, his daughter, possibly running against Marco Rubio, who turned into be a big staunch ally of Trump. So it'll be interesting to see how that fracture happens. And why I bring that up in this discussion is with Jim Jordan. I think if nothing happens and still Republicans against Democrats, Jim Jordan's lost some of his what he goes to Senate for, you know, protecting Donald Trump. You know, if Trump's not president anymore, what's he defending? But if they create a MAGA party or a Patriot party and it picks up some power, now Jim Jordan could be a presidential candidate, a governor candidate, or a senator candidate. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. That's why we need Jim Jordan to show. We want to know what he wants to do now since this guy's gone. So, I don't know. He'll be good. 
All right. Anything else we want to shout out today? Like I said, just busy day. Have some family work responsibilities, and because of that, uh, we can't go super long. But anything we want to shout out or no? Any, any messages we want to share the world or whatever case might be. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Again, as I said, support our sponsors. Um, I'm encouraged. I'm looking at the website and seeing that people are clicking our sponsors. And I like that. Uh, support sp- sponsors. Um, there's an advertise with us at the top of the website. I haven't reached out to potential advertisers, but if you want to advertise with us, click on that. Uh, it'll give you information that you need. Um, you know, subscribe to us on um, you know, all, all of our podcast providers. Um, it's interesting. Apple Podcasts are, is the number one subscriber of our site right now. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, subscribe to us, everything else. And then if you see us on the web, I'm trying to do something different. Beforehand, we had YouTube. We could just watch a show. But we have a Spotify link. And you might say, I don't have Spotify. It's okay. Just click play, and you can listen to the show on Spotify. And we put the video at the bottom of the screen, too, of the post. So just in case you're looking at it and wondering, just hit play, and, and you're good to go. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. And like I said, who knows what's going to be happening. These news days are getting busier and busier, and it'll be interesting to see. Oh, can I bring this up really quick before we stop? I thought it was great. We talked about cord cutting. I love talking cord cutting. Um, Big deal announced yesterday by Peacock. They're bringing in WWE um, so you can watch WWE content. I know Brandon's a huge professional wrestling fan. (laughs) Brandon... No, I mean, I'm not a big pro wrestling guy, but hey, I think it's good news. So we'll, we'll talk about that more tomorrow. I, I, think there's some, I watch yeah, wrestling. Craig was excited. I am. Yeah. I, well, I, I just tease Brandon because I know Brandon's the opposite of a wrestling <laughs> fan. So I'm not a wrestling fan either. Sometimes for kicks, I'll watch an old YouTube clip because I used to like wrestling when I was a kid. But hey, it's a step in the right direction. I'm not subscribing to Peacock because of wrestling. But, hey, let's start doing this of hockey. Let's start doing this soccer and football. And then, hey, my money's yours, Peacock. It should be good. So, All right. Thanks again, guys. You have a great one. And thanks for listening to Highlight.